Inverse Genius Episode 66, Fortnightly Exceptionally Jank Material. In this episode, Don John Manis of the Swarm Cast and Bruce Vogue III of the Party Game Cast talk about things like grilling, TV shows they're watching, and all kinds of stuff. You know them. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Inverse Genius Fortnightly. I'm Donald, and I'm here with our recurring uh, guests, hosts, whatever they're called, uh, John Manus. Hey, everybody. And Bruce Fogue. Hey. And uh, <laughs> and real quick, John, where can you be found? Right at the swarmcastpodcast.com? Uh, yes, that's uh, pretty much it. Swarmcastpodcast.com. Excellent. Bruce? Uh, we are we are once again making our monthly episodes of the Party Gamecast featuring the Party Gamecast podcast about party games and games you take to parties or find me on Twitter at Bruce Co. Thinks. Both, both are fine. Excellent. Uh, speaking of podcasts being made, something that sort of relates to the non-tabletop stuff but also doesn't. Uh, Eric and I did an episode for On Board Games recently where we talked about starting to paint miniatures. So if you're interested in painting models or things like that, even if you're not really interested in games, you might go check out that onboard games episode. We'll try and put that in the show notes for you so you can find it because we talked about the new army painter speed paints, which are amazing for painting small things. So recommend it highly. Go check out that episode. Ooh, I may so, have to check that out. Yep. And, and, oh, and I'm Donald Dennis and you can find me all over the internet as Walsfio. Hooray, hooray. So uh, we've got some updates for stuff that we have previously talked about on the show that I think uh, that we should mention real quick, not necessarily for any extended period, but uh, I talked about Owl House on a previous episode. It's an animated thing on Disney, and they just started releasing the new series. Nice. So hooray. Woot. No, hoot. Or hoot. There you go. And uh, it's, uh, I haven't watched it yet. I just saw it pop up in my notifications. And if you liked Gravity Falls, which we also talked about on the show, then they are somewhat connected. Go and, uh, and check out Owl House on Disney. I think this is the last half of a previous season. And also the last thing that they're going to be doing for it is this last half of a season. So you're not going to have a long involved must watch, uh, but it is hilarious and uh, weird. So, hooray. Nice. Uh, the other thing is Great Pottery Throwdown on HBO Max has got a new season, which I'm pretty sure we talked about on the show uh, because I remember talking to people about the great crying host who gets so emotionally moved by many things that he sees on a series <laughs> of the Great Pottery Throwdown. This season is just as good as the others. I recommend it highly. I've been watching it. We're trying to stretch it out so we don't binge them all in one weekend. Because you just want to savor it, and you need a little bit of calm and excitement all at one time. That's the great pottery throwdown. Do you all have any updates on stuff we've talked about before? Ooh, ooh, I do. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so number one, only because you mentioned the great pottery throwdown, so I'm going to at least uh, bring it out there. If you are, we talked about it back before we did Fortnightly, when we do long episodes of Inverse Genius about one thing. We talked about Taskmaster. Ooh. And Alex Horn from Taskmaster just did a great British Bake Off episode 
that's one of the Stand Up to Cancer episodes. That is well worth checking out because you can clearly tell Alex Horn, the person, is an incredibly competitive person. And he knows he can't win Bake Off. So he decides to just left turn the car completely out of bounds uh, and does some real wild stuff in that episode that's well worth checking out. And then also talking about Alex Horn Taskmaster, uh, at least in the UK, if you can get Channel 4 in any way, shape or form, uh, whether it's in the US through uh, Nefarious Means or you happen to be somewhere where you can get UK stations, there is a brand new season of Taskmaster that's starting now. I also think it might be up on Taskmaster Plus Max. <laughs> uh, I forget what that it's got a whole <laughs> bunch of extra things after but I think that's supposed to be one of the features of Taskmaster Supermax I think it's called because uh, I realize I guess in the UK Supermax is not a type of prison and here it is. <laughs> uh, but I believe Taskmaster Supermax may also have it but don't hold me to that check it out before you sign up for that but I can tell you as a person that can get their hands on four uh, we've been watching the episodes and as always uh, it's a party and I will say exactly like you mentioned is he's very competitive, but when he can't win somebody else's competition, he's going to make his own. Y- yes. <laughs> and I would say in everything I've seen him in, there is, I've seen both cause he did. Um, I literally just told you and you can watch the gears in his head turning, especially cause if you're here, you're probably a gamer. You've played with that person where you can, you know, they're not even listening to you. Their gears are turning and they're trying to figure out how to beat you. And you can watch him do that in that show and then bake off exactly the opposite. You see him walk in the door going, I can't bake and I can't win. And if I can't win, I'm going to make my own win conditions. Yeah. You can definitely, definitely tell that from the get go. Mm-hmm. And I've only seen the, the short that was on YouTube, so I can't wait to see the rest of it. It is very much of the, I would say if you've seen the short and you really don't want to watch a baking show, you've seen enough to get what kind of happens, uh, but it is entertaining to watch him go through it. Plus the intro they do is like a Taskmaster intro where they do an homage to Taskmaster to start the show. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Uh, John, do you have anything to report on? Have you eaten eight pounds of anything since we last talked? Well, we were talking about uh, kazoo's last time we were on, and since then I've I've consumed about uh, twenty pounds of kazoo. No, no, <laughs> nothing like that. Um, I I did just recently finish watching the latest season of a show called Close Enough, which is also by uh, J. G. Quintel, the, the 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 fellow behind the regular show, which I talked about on a previous episode. And if you like the regular show, this show is a good follow up to it. It's a very different vein, but it has a lot of, it has some subtle callbacks to that show. Hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah, I still haven't dove dive, dived. I still haven't gotten deep into that. And I, I feel like either I will go the rest of my life without having done so, or you will uh, get me to, uh, <laughs> get me to sit and watch three episodes with you. And then I will be, yeah, mainlining the rest of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's that um, in a, the finest tradition of the fortnightly uh, or the inverse genius podcast i think we should talk a little bit about the moon knight have you all watched any of that yes yes a, a little bit of it yes oh okay so it sounds like bruce and i may like it more than you do uh bruce what do you think of it so I enjoy it for, for my money. I don't like it as much as some of the other things that have been a part of this sort of Disney plus verse of the Marvel cinematic universe. Mm. Whereas my wife, Rocky has also watched them all with me. She is over the moon and it's the favorite thing that they've made far as she's concerned. So, I mean, like I think 
for some people, WandaVision, I think, was the one where they were like, I get what we're doing. I don't know how I feel about it. And I absolutely ate that up. And I think for me, that's kind of where Moon Knight is right now without mm-hmm. giving anything away. I'm still trying to kind of get my sea legs for Moon Knight. And I, I'm perfectly open to the fact that in an episode or two, I may love it a lot more than I do right now. Uh, that being said, even though it's not the most positive review I'm giving, I, I'm going to watch every episode the second it comes out. I'm still enjoying it enough to stick around. Um, I think that, so for me, I think the best made one that they did was Hawkeye, but it was not my favorite, right? Okay. Previously. Huh. I think that okay. this is at least as well made as Hawkeye was. Uh, yes. Except for you can see the seams with some of the special effects budget, right? That, that you're like, okay, that's, that's a little rough, but not enough to sort of pull you out of it. And I like the fact that this is a superhero property where it's not about beating people up. I mean, there is some beating people up. You can't do Moon Knight without beating people up. But I love pretty much all the changes that they have made from the comics, of which I am aware, with the exception of Crawley, which I like the thing that they did with Crawley. But I would rather see sort of the uh, the more personal, loquacious, uh, you know, talky person that, that Crawley was in the, in the comics. But um, I just, I think it's fascinating and it really feels like they are going, even though they said, oh, we don't have this guy handcuffed to 15 more productions. It really feels like that they're doing all the setup that they need to, to make you at the end go, okay, this all tied together really neat. These three little movies that we saw because it's six hours and it, it is feeling sort of like one and two is one thing, two and or three and four is another. Yep. And then five and six is going to be a lot more big than the previous stuff has been that uh, you're going to go, I need more moon Knight. I need more, whatever has come out of this. And of course, then they're probably all going to be killed in Thor love and thunder, but we have no proof of that. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) And I think it's also fun to see what, one of the things I think that Marvel has done. That's been amazing through all the stuff they've done is, is they've said, you know what? Let's make a superhero movie. That's not exactly a superhero movie, right? Mm -hmm. So let's make let's make a thriller intrigue movie. Let's make a buddy cop movie. Let's make a spy movie. Then we'll make a big superhero flick. You expect, then we'll go back to a comedy. Then we'll, in this case, there were very much times and I'm hoping I'm not giving, I don't think I'm giving too much away Mm. where it feels like what I imagine sort of those old mummy movies to feel like, you know, where it's the shaft of light coming through something, mm-hmm, uncovering mm-hmm. something as a, as cobwebs move out of the way. Like it had that bit, almost that like universal movie monster feel at times to me that I was like, Oh, it's another genre. I wouldn't have thought of that. We're making a, a superhero movie out of. So I think that's super cool about it. It does sort of feel like, an update of Boris Karloff's The Mummy, sort of, we want you yep. to feel this fear or this dread or this anxiety about what's happening. But on the other hand, they also aren't afraid to have more lighthearted moments with yes. with some of the characters. Uh, you know, it's like, I am so thrilled what they did with Stephen Grant and not had him be basically a Bruce Wayne parallel, right? Yep. He's, he's his own character now and it, it doesn't feel like, oh, we've just filed off the serial numbers and splashed it with magic. We've we've got something else. Uh, but so, John, what are your thoughts on it? It sounds like you're midway through what's already released. Yeah, um, and that's just because I just haven't had a chance to really watch a lot of it yet. Um, it's neat. 
It's fun. I, I think <laughs> no, no, it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. I'm glad they they did Moon Knight as opposed to some of the others they could have done. Mm-hmm. I, I I I personally feel like with the Marvel, the Disney Plus Marvel stuff, I'm I'm waiting to get an actual superhero show. Because uh, everything else has felt like, you know, like like Falcon and Winter Soldier was a great, like, buddy cop action flick. Yeah. Um, uh, WandaVision, okay. was gr- WandaVision was great, but it only, only at certain points did it really feel like, okay, now I'm watching a superhero show. Um, Hawkeye was fun. It was, um, I agree. I, I thought Hawkeye was, was great, but mm, not, it, it was probably closer to a superhero type show. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, certainly a hero show. Uh-huh. It was the one that felt closest to all of the uh, Warner brothers, DC TV shows mm-hmm. without fortunately yes. being one of those. So, yes. Yes. Um, and what, okay. What would an actual superhero show look like for, and how do you do a cool arc in one? I know that we're not, heading towards an actual topic here, but how would you do a cool arc in one where it's, it isn't all, Hey, look, I'm in a fancy costume shooting laser beams out of my eyes or whatever. How would you do one without that? Cause no, I was going to say with where, how would you, how would you make it a superhero, uh, you know, show that is just a superhero show? Why would you make just a superhero show instead of using superheroes to tell a better story? Uh, well, my answer for that is because lately everybody is just using superheroes to tell an interesting story. Nobody's using it to tell just a you know a bad guys and good guys and spandex uh, punching each other in the face kind of story. I can't give my answer because we try to be positive on this show. Um, <laughs> so I will say that uh, okay, okay, the the shows that have done that have not been very good lately. I and think I that might also it. sit on budget. I think this might be a case of Disney using their budget in the right places and using mm-hmm. their time. I don't know that a six hour, eight hour, 10 hour spandex hitting show <laughs> is ask anyone who watches WrestleMania. Let me tell you, six hours of WrestleMania is too much WrestleMania. <laughs> you know why? Too many people in spandex hitting each other. Um, okay. I think the same thing may be there. I think that's great in two and a half hour doses at the end of a bunch of this deep storytelling. I think the hope is, is at the end of all of these six, eight hour character explorations that we do eventually get to like the spandex hitting each other. You know, we do get civil war, um, which I I think was sort of, that was the, that was what everyone needed at that time. We had done a bunch of exploration. Now I just really want to watch Spider-Man whip off of, of Ant-Man as giant man and kick somebody in the face. Right, and I'm I'm hoping that that's kind of the next step, but I think that might be better in those two and a half hour films rather than these long character explorations. Yeah. Now, now granted, these feel a lot more like the different limited series and things that we would get back in the '90s, 2000s, and and mm-hmm. currently for different characters. Yeah. Where if you got a limited series for somebody like, um, I don't want to say Moon Knight because he has his own series, but if we got a limited series for like 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 Shuri out of uh, Black Panther, it would be more along this kind of vein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's so that's definitely what these feel like. And I'm I'm fine with that. There's some really great stories, but I don't know. I'm I'm I, weird. I'm weird. I'm kind of ready to move on. I'm like, okay, cool. Now show me something really crazy that's not Eternals. Show me something so here's, great. Here's what it feels like is that they're gonna do a lot of great stories 
with the TV stuff mm-hmm. and they're going to do big budget punch them up in the movies a little more, you know, because that's all the, you know, the Avengers movies where they're all get together. The, the plots on those are usually pretty thin, kind of weak, but they got a lot of great fights in them. Uh, so, and I think that they're going to sort of lean more into that. So if you're just wanting your uh, big superhero punch em ups, that might be where you have to go in the future. Though the opening of Falcon and Winter Soldier sure felt superhero to me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was great. So, and the uh, end of WandaVision felt superhero. Right, right. Yeah, like the there are way. flashes and moments where they have to remind you what it is. Right. But the, I think the, that's only having a certain amount of budget. We only have so much budget for you to toss fireballs. Yes. Right. And, and oh. that was in the worst way, though. That was the, that was the worst form of superhero ending. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so so I guess I guess my my big thing with um Moon Knight, and this is this is gonna sound so stupid, but is um me let's much like other Moon Knight fans on the internet mm-hmm. really want to see him and his conflict with uh, Dracula who owes him money. And that's probably just not going to happen in this. I mean, that's why I tuned into the show, but I haven't missed it. You know, <laughs> they're so. eventually going to have to put that in there. Yes, but not until he meets blade and they're both chasing down Dracula and blade is going after him to kill him. And Moon Knight's like, not until I get my money. That's yeah. where that's going to happen. The, what the Midnight Suns or whatever they're called. I don't. Yep. I don't know. But so anyway, all right. I think that's <laughs> that's wonderful. Let's move on. I have just changed what I'm going to be talking about as my main thing that has nothing to do with this. It's a movie. So, but we'll get to that. John, well, lead us off with your actual topic of the day, unless there was something else okay. you really wanted to mention. Sure. Well, well, by the time this comes out and uh, given today's date, as we know, what's coming up just around the corner is the beginning of May, the first of May. And so, Mm -hmm. as you know, we all know, on the first of May, outdoor cooking starts that day. Oh, cooking. I I believe that's how that song goes. It is now. (laughs) And so, so that being the case, you know, I've been gearing up for, for all sorts of outdoor cooking. And I realized I have a ton of things that I use for outdoor cooking. Oh. I, have, I have a bunch of different types of grills and, and uh, smokers and other things. And just recently I have um, acquired a, an outdoor pizza oven, which is, which is every bit as exciting as that sounds. Uh, the first time I, I used it, it shot fire out of every possible orifice that it has on it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I did that once in college. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, I, I'm just looking forward to, to really getting out there and, and doing a lot of outdoor cooking. In fact, today we're probably going to be pulling out our giant uh, cowboy grill, which is about a five or six foot in diameter round grill thing that we just load up with all sorts of usually meats, but sometimes it's most it's uh, vegetables and meats. But today it's going to be probably a bunch of burgers. Uh, and then and, and as I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, we've got like a small charcoal grill that's just for the two of us, for me and my wife. We've got a slightly larger gas grill that we usually use on the weekdays and such because it's easy enough to, to, to bring in and bring out. We've got our charcoal smoker. We've got an electric smoker, which has a cold smoker attachment. So when the weather gets a little mm-hmm. bit cooler, we're going to be smoking up cold smoking some, some more honey and cheese and salt and things like that. Wait, you smoke your honey? Uh, yeah, we, we cold smoke it. So when the weather's nice and cold, you, you hook up the cold smoker attachment, which basically just shoots smoke into the closed um, smoker box. 
that doesn't have anything except whatever you're smoking. So you put cheese and honey. Uh, we've, we smoked some olive oil and that's, that's hmm. came out really, really well. Um, and some pink Himalayan salt, which has been super tasty and we're almost out of the honey. So we got to smoke some more of that. Huh? Didn't you mention I, you were on the spice episode with me, right? When, when Dune came out? Ah, uh, yes, did, yes, yes. Didn't you mention smoked salt at that time as well? I probably did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, okay. So what, what is the one thing that you would most say, Hey, if you're looking to get into outdoor smoking, this is what you should grab for your group of, you know, between, between one and six people, as opposed to, Hey, there are 75 people coming out and I'm going to get out this giant grate that you have, uh, <laughs> which, which is pretty amazing that that cooker is great. Uh, but what would you recommend? Okay. Well, I've got a um, sort of regular, normal-sized electric smoker. And at first, I thought, I thought, uh, oh, I'm just going to do charcoal because 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 I'm a purist, and no electric smoker is ever going to going to come into my household. And then we we got one, and and now it's it's like, oh, there's this is amazing. This is great. I can set the temperature on it. I just feed it full of pellets. And I, I, I maybe have to check it once every couple hours and, and the results come out even better because I'm not constantly having to feed hot burning coals into it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do outdoor smoking, get an electric smoker. Mm-hmm. And for cooking, cooking and for cooking, cooking, um, gosh, well, yeah, you definitely don't want just the cowboy grill cause it's big, it's heavy. It takes two of us to load in and load out every time. Um, I love it because we usually have a lot of people over and we throw big slabs of meat on it, but we do just have a, our, our electric, our, excuse me, not electric, our gas grill works just as fine. It's easy enough for me to pick up and put out and set up. And I want to say it's a charbroil. Nice. So what's your favorite recipe? What do you, what do we, what's your favorite thing to cook that people wouldn't think they should cook on their grill? Uh, that they shouldn't cook on their grill? That they wouldn't think, they wouldn't think, hey, I'm going to cook this. Well, I don't know if it's a thing that you wouldn't think you can cook on the grill, but uh, we, we like to take mushroom caps and fill them full of uh, the garden the garden salad, uh, whatever it is, cream cheese stuff. We, we just kind of fill those up, put them on the grill, let them go for a little bit while the grill's kind of warming up. And so mm-hmm. when we're ready to grill whatever we're doing, we have these delicious tasting mushrooms to to eat. and But we put this jalapeno... Um, jalapeno Parmesan stuff in it as well. So it gives it a nice little kick, a nice little punch. Nice. I also would like to come in as a person that does some outdoor cooking and ask your opinions about and make my suggestion of a good old-fashioned Weber grill. Okay. The old-school bowl Weber grill. Because if you only have like one thing, it's a Swiss Army knife. And Mm -hmm. by that I mean it does everything and none of it at the top level but all of it you can get by. You want to smoke a thing? By all means, you can put all the wood you're going to burn on one side and the outlet of smoke to the other, and it will pass over the meat. If you want to grill, it'll certainly grill. Like It will do a lot of stuff uh, that I think is worth thinking about if you're only looking at one thing. I'm a person that only has a couple things, and the Weber grill is the thing I pull out the most if I'm willing to mess around with charcoal. Okay. I want to it say a- that the the small the the teeny tiny grill we have is is a a two person Weber as well, and I agree it's it's a nice utility grill. Mm-hmm. 
that that was the when I had moved out of my parents' place. That was the grill I bought. Was was like a square with rounded corners. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you pop pop it open, and I think it was Weber brand. And uh, you know, it is sort of the best starter grill that you could sort of hope to luck into. Uh, is that that kind of shape? Is because yeah, it was big enough that you could you know feed four to six people. Uh, especially if you're doing hot dogs or hamburgers. I don't know if you could get six porterhouse steaks on that thing. But uh, <laughs> if you're using a Weber grill, you're probably not buying six porterhouse steaks. That's <laughs> At least I wasn't back then. And that, uh, yeah, it works great. So I think there's, that's the thing about grilling or, or barbecuing or whatever, is that you can get away with some exceptionally jank material. So if you get something that's just <laughs> reasonably well-made, uh, then you can pretty much cook something delicious. Oh, yeah. My favorite was I worked, and I'll take a small side and I'll let it get us back to normal, mm. was for a very brief part of my career, I worked for a company that like deconstructed houses and sold the parts. And my job, because I don't have any real appreciable skills, is I <laughs> sold things. And we, at one point, someone donated three oil tanks to us. Like you would put in your house to hold oil for fuel oil for your house. But yep. they had never been used. Ooh. And people were like, I mean, like we sold them all to people that were cutting them open to make giant grills out of them because you're right. It doesn't matter how jank it is. As long as it can take heat and it can hold coals, people will use anything. People are like, oh yeah, no, I used to have a 1992 Ford truck, but the transmission went completely, uh, uh, skid on it. So, uh, what we did was, was we just, uh, deflated all the tires left in the backyard and we just filled up with coals for 95 people um you know like and that's you're absolutely right uh you know everybody can love all of the high-end stuff and goodness knows um having a decent like pellet uh smoker just takes so much guesswork out that it's wonderful i tell you Um, what that is probably the best that ford truck has ever run absolutely and it's probably the most people it's ever made happy (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, but yeah, no, you can have some, as long as it's a, as long as it's metal and can take heat and not hurt you and you can make kind of a bowl enough out of it to fill it with coals, uh, just about anything will work. That is the truth. I mean, I've seen, uh, grills made out of, uh, like old horse troughs. Yep. You know, uh, okay. just, just about anything or hole in the ground with whatever metal grates they could put on top of it. It's, yep. it's, it's super easy. Um, hooray. Well, that's cool. John, anything else about your summer cooking that you want to share with us? I tried to lead you down paths, but uh, did you have anything you wanted to say? <laughs> um, go, if the weather is nice, go outside and fry some ri- rice. I don't know. I tried to make yeah. a rind there. It wasn't going anywhere. Fry something nice. I do have to say that my unfortunate first encounter with the giant cowboy grill was when I was on a liquid diet and you had me come visit you all for something for, for scarab prep or I don't remember what it was, but, uh, it was like, Oh, this is the wrong time to have not been on a big old, uh, able to binge sort of thing. So (laughs) uh, I look forward to coming back though sometime and feasting (laughs) off the cowboy grill. Cool. All right, uh, Bruce, uh, you next or me next? Uh, you tell me, sir. All right, I'll dive in here because okay. you you can back clean up and be very entertaining, and I'll simply <laughs> talk about uh, the movie that I saw, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, I've wanted to see this. I'm interested. Oh, cool. So, uh, uh, is, John, have you seen this? I have not yet. All right. So, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's out by the group A24, and... Uh, it's got quite the cast. I was surprised to see 
uh, Jamie Lee Curtis playing the role that she was playing in this mm-hmm. movie. And it has a wonderful folks. One of the uh, people that you'll recognize played short round back in uh, Indiana Jones two. Okay. Oh, wow. The male lead. And I can't tell you which character he played because oh, I don't even know how to talk about this without giving too much away. So this, this might be a fairly short discussion, but what I will say is that <laughs> the, the whole movie is pretty amazing. And as I told Jeffrey Engelstein that, uh, um, I now have to reevaluate my relationship with everything bagels because of this movie. Uh, and it has got all kinds of wacky weirdness. And, uh, you know, in the upcoming months we have, uh, you know, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Then we got Thor love and thunder and other Marvel movies that are dealing with sort of uh, multiple realities and other weird things and stuff like that happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now, this movie did it better. Okay. Um, <laughs> wh- whatever it is that they're going to do, uh, I'm going to love, I'm going to love the Dr. Strange movie. I'm probably going to love the Thor movie uh, and on all the weirdness that the latest trailer has, has shown for it. Um, but I'm now no longer consuming commercials because Disney has betrayed me on their commercials previously. Mm. Uh, but that, this movie is, uh, it's another, it's another movie following this year's theme of recovering from intergenerational trauma because mm-hmm. by golly, we have had a lot of movies based on that this year. Um, you know, everything from, uh, you know, turning red and Kanto, uh, and, and, and whatnot is all about, uh, intergenerational issues. Um, but, uh, the, the setup is great. If I never have to watch the first 15 minutes of this movie again, I won't be, won't be bothered by that. Okay. Um, but once it kicks in huh. and, and the action really, it was good. It was worth seeing the first time I liked it as I was going through. Mm-hmm. I just don't, don't feel like I need the setup again because I get it. Okay. Right. Um, and it starts off as a completely different movie than it sort of ends up. Uh, but it gets very exciting. There are some amazing martial arts. Uh, there are almost, you know, some Jackie Chan ish, using of the environments that nice. are, are exciting. And of course the, the cast is fabulous. And about the time I kept was starting to wonder, I was like, why is Jamie Lee Curtis allowing herself to be used like this in this movie? She deserves better. You get to see where she gets to have a lot of fun. Okay. All right. Um, and so that was pretty cool. I, oh yeah. So, uh, Kwan was the male lead who was from, uh, previous movies. Like, I think it was, Goonies and Indiana Jones to the was, Temple of Doom. I was right? going to say it was Temple of Doom. Temple too? of Doom. It was Temple of Doom. Yeah. yeah. And Michelle Yeoh uh, is always amazing. And in this one, she gets to play a little more, like, I don't want to say low key, but uh, her starting character that she's sort of playing in this is, uh, you know, a little timid, a little not uh, excitable, a little, oh my gosh, I have settled. And uh, I think part of the story is saying, you know, don't, necessarily fret for what you've settled for, but you can do more. That's a good theme to sort of pull out of, to pull out of this movie without giving too much away. The effects are weird. The story is unusual. It just goes, it goes everywhere. Nice. There's that. I I recommend it. Don't, don't research anymore. Just go. And of course, so you'll, you, if you see James, uh, you'll see James Hong in it as well. And you'll recognize him from, uh, well, Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yep. Um, so great. It was great. I recommend it. Okay. 
uh, I guess I'll talk about one other thing I've been watching and it's as our flag means death, uh, which is a completely different kind of movie. It's, it's a pirate love story. Uh, I started watching the first episode. I quit cause I was like, I don't want to watch this. Listen to some people talking about it. And I was like, fine, I will watch it again. And, um, it is much better after the first episode. Okay. Let's just say that it is hilarious. And this is where I have to give my, uh, apologies for the, what we do in the shadows description. Cause previously I thought I hated that movie uh, uh, or I mean that movie, that TV show. Um, and I realized that I was talking about a different show entirely. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, what we do in the shadows, I may actually go back and watch it though. Not when my wife's around because she's decided she just doesn't care. So, huh? Okay. Well, there you go. Our, our flag means death is fun. It is warm. It is, it starts off incredibly awkward. And, and then it blossoms into some amazing send-ups against colonialism, against uh, a bunch of things. And just to sort of see the relationships develop between the crews and the pirate ships is amazing and fun. So Very cool. That's on well, HBO Max. Well, related to that, Donald, have you seen mm-hmm. the – it's a claymation movie from the fine folks who brought us Wallace and Gromit called The Pirates? I think it's just called The Pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty fun too. I don't know if it's it's in that same vein, but it um, it's fun in the same way that a Wallace and Gromit show is fun. I remember wanting to watch it, and I remember a few scenes from it, but I can't tell you if I actually ever watched it or if it's just from commercials. So I'll check it out, but I'm pretty sure it's not like this movie or not okay. like this series. Um, so there you go, Bruce. Wrap it up. What do we got here? Very good. I'm going to talk about something called the American Song Contest. Uh, if you have listened in the past to what we've talked about, I'm sure at some point I talked about my love of Eurovision, uh, which Eurovision, the Eurovision Song Contest was sort of Europe's answer to uh, we've been at war a couple of times. Let's find <laughs> something positive where we can all kind of compete and uh, share culture. And that's where we've gotten people like ABBA. Uh, they were okay. a winner of that. Uh, Celine, Celine Dion. Uh, also competed at one point in Eurovision. Normally for Americans, we're getting into it lately because the world's just getting smaller and smaller and we can do things like watch Taskmaster. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Eurovision is a thing we can find. I would say many, many years ago, no American had ever heard of Eurovision. Um, But now a lot of people are talking about it. And one of the great things about Eurovision is, is that some countries uh, really, really get into like a cultural heritage thing. There seems to be a few types of songs. One is, they made fun of it in one of the uh, Eurovisions, uh, a love, love, peace, peace song, uh, where you either talk about the beauty of love or the beauty of peace, and that's that's when you want to win. Uh, another one is you do a comedy song, which is you either send like a stuffed turkey as your country's entry, uh, or you uh, dress in outfits that are giant middle fingers, uh, or you just uh, make a song that's in no country's language and just see if you can get by with it. Uh, but these are the kind of things that happen in Eurovision. Every country, uh, the main countries that spend the most money in the European Broadcasting Union get to automatically send people. And then a lot of the other countries kind of battle through a tournament of champions to get people into the finals. Right. I mean, each individual country has their way of picking uh, who they send. In some cases, it's a like Iceland has a thing they show on TV where they have a jury that just picks. For some countries, their version of the voice is how they pick somebody. Um, we have the voice here now, but that's mostly a lot of countries use that. That voice was the voice they sent to the Eurovision Song Competition. So hmm. now we in the United States have the American Song Contest. 56 entries 
from 50 United States, D.C., American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. They have all sent people. How do we select them? Damned if I know. There appears to be no way that we can prove it happened. There was a period where they asked people to submit entries, and Mm -hmm. they said this. Submit your entry, and then give us the state or states with which you believe you have a personal connection or connections. (laughs) So we got some real weird stuff here. So we're through the opening rounds. We're through all of the preliminary rounds. As we are talking, uh, this Monday's episode will be the beginning of the semifinals, where we really start to get into, or if you watch Eurovision, like where Eurovision really starts if you're not a hardcore fan. You're now into the point where we've whittled stuff down, and we have our real competitors that are about to perform. Uh, So here's the thing. In Eurovision, uh, they're very good at showing you when they're cheating, and they're very good at hiding the money so you don't see it, okay? So Eurovision <laughs> has a bunch of complicated rules that as, an, as a gamer, you would appreciate. One of those is every country has a phone vote. There's a televote for who you like. You can vote for any country that's not yours. Uh, then all the numbers are tabulated and you present one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or 12 points to another country. So there's this whole thing where you start seeing countries trade before the televote is the expert vote. And that's where you see some cheating things. So you'll see like Albania will give their 12 points to France. And then magically France's 12 points will go to an Albanian song that made no sense at all and was terrible. But they do get 12 points from France because they clearly cut a deal behind the scenes. Um, that kind of stuff is obvious. You see it. And like when you start to see when you're like France awards our 12 points to Albania, you hear the whole crowd go, oh, I wonder what Albania is going to do. And then Albania <laughs> comes up, they do exactly what you expect. Um, here we've hidden that. So oh. we, we show like 11 different people in an episode and then there's the expert votes and the experts get to send one person into the next round automatically. We don't know who the experts are. We don't learn until far too late in the contest what the prize even is, um, huh. which I'll talk to you about in a second. Uh, Cause once you hear it, you're like, you probably should have told us that at the beginning. Uh, so the experts send people through and then there's this like phone vote online TikTok Spotify thing mm. that is completely obfuscated behind technology. So what will happen is we'll get down the round. We'll go, oh, you were a great song guy. You go through and next week we'll tell you who else is going to join you. Uh, between now and then, go to NBC.com and go to Spotify and go to TikTok and vote for your things. And then you do it in the next Monday's episode. They say, oh, well, here's who the winners were. There's no numbers with them. There's no percentages. It's just here's who else we sent through. You have no idea how we got there. Uh, a lot of real wonky things have happened. Donald, I see a hand. How many years has this been going on? This is the very first year of this. Okay, so there might be some rough corners that they'll hammer out or this may be intentional. Uh, so here's what I'm going to say is if you, because uh, we've talked about the Taskmaster. Taskmaster did a United States version of Taskmaster that was not good. And yeah. here was the thing. They took a lot of very creative, very funny people, and they uh, completely messed them up by not understanding how their own format worked. Uh, uh, because they were saying, no, you got to make it United States to do this. And it just didn't work. That's what feels like is happening here is that some Eurovision people are involved, but there's probably a lot of American TV execs saying, well, you can't do this. You've got to do this. You've got to try this. You don't need to show this. And it gets real strange. Uh, the 
The positives are every single state gets its own package. So they show you who the person is and where they're from and a little bit about the state. That is super cool for places like American Samoa and Guam, where if you're ever Jamaican, you don't think about Guam. Uh, Guam is the answer to a trivia question where I say the, the you know, Washington, D.C. is one territory the United States has. Name the other five. And you would go like Puerto Rico and some other ones, I think. So <laughs> that's really neat to see. And it's fun to see. Some of the artists, especially for places like the Northern Mariana Islands and Guam, where they clearly, they didn't have too many like Hollywood bigwig performers that had like a personal connection to, to Guam. Right. <laughs> so they had to find somebody in Guam or Hawaii where it's small. Sedative. So those are really neat to see. Here's the thing. Alaska is represented by Jewel. You know, Jewel. Wait. Uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> Connecticut is represented by Michael Bolton. <laughs> that uh, that actually sounds like that makes sense, really. I yeah, mean, I mean, like all of them clearly had the connection, and with Jewel, like what's great is that they have to explain their connection to the place. So they're with Jewel, and she's showing you her childhood house, but she doesn't tell you at what age she left it. She's like, oh, this was the cabin where we grew up. My grandparents were here. I remember making bread on that stove or whatever it is. And you're like, but Jewel, I've been listening to you since your late teens, early 20s. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I'm guessing you didn't spend much time in Alaska. Right. But she's representing Alaska. Michael Bolton is out there for Connecticut. For us here in Maryland, we heard nothing about it, but we have Cisco. That's who's represents formerly <laughs> of the thong song. Nice. Here's what I'll tell you. He was in Drew Hill. Drew Hill is based on Druid Hill, which is in Baltimore. They really were a Baltimore-based band originally. But I guarantee you, Cisco ha probably hasn't been to Maryland outside of filming that package in, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, but that's how they've done it. But then interspersed, it's like random coffee shop owner who happens to be able to sing. Blues artist trying to get through. Jewel, the crystal method. <laughs> um, so that's real wild. And then some real weird things. I have a lot of conspiracy theories about the competition that I'm going to hold off. So you can just try to take it in yourself. But, uh, Monday of a week, the crystal method, enter the competition, the crystal method representing Nevada, because the crystal method is based out of Las Vegas. Wow. Crystal method enters a song at the end of the voting. They were in third place. So someone else got automatically sent through and they were in third of 11, uh, folks. Friday of that week, I didn't realize it. They have a brand new album that comes out, and uh. the track from the competition happens to be the number one song on that album. Magically, the next Monday comes through. They were third. They didn't make the top four. After people voted, they just disappeared, and we never mentioned they were in the competition. Huh. Ooh, that's not where I, I thought that was going. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, yeah, like if you look, they will still acknowledge like on the websites of that they had been in it, but we didn't even show who the top four were going into the like who advances and just magically they weren't there. Uh, number one got sent by the judges. Number two also made it. And then like number seven and number nine were the other two to go with no explanation as to how people voted to make this happen. Just don't worry. They're there. Have fun, uh, which is real, real strange. That uh, is the the other thing is, in Eurovision, some people are goofy, but we're the United States, so no one is goofy here. Yeah. Uh, this is very much a song competition like any of the other ones you would see. Uh, the thing that's going to tank this this year and may not get it another year, it is going head-to-head -head against American Idol. Uh, so it is our number one co song competition against what this thing is. 
Uh, if you get a chance, check this out. I think there's some fun things going on here. There's an interesting mix. And what's very strange is, is you can kind of see the A&R people in the room. Uh, you realize that almost huh. everybody in this seems to have representation. Uh, and it's wild to see because it's the thing like Eurovision's very good at hiding the money, right? So if you're looking at the interviews of Eurovision, you don't see like the professionals guiding the careers of Eurovision people. They only let you see excited artists and families of excited artists and the money will be taken care of later where you can't see it here. Like sitting at the tables with the artists are very uh, nicely dressed people that all look exactly the same. And if they ever do an interview, they're very polite. And then when the artist comes over, they don't touch the artist. They don't hug the artist. They make sure that they keep a professional distance. And that's how you can tell it is not someone's uncle. Hmm. It is, it is a thing to see, I would say, especially as we head into the semis and you're not dealing with all 50 states, it'd be worth kind of seeing it for the musical talent and to see where this is going. If you are the kind of person where you don't know enough about the 50 states in the country and you want to learn some things, the packages that each artist has is really, really cool. Uh, they mention in D.C., D.C. is only like a 10 square mile area and it has its own form of music. It has go-go music, which right, they talk about, right. which is a real thing. Um. The one you might know, Donald, because I see the, the confusion, is um, uh, Bustin' Loose is probably the most famous go-go song. If you listen to that, you may have ever heard that like in a movie or something. But mm -hmm. it's a whole form of music that's only in D.C. I wish we would have seen more of that. Like, I wish New Orleans would have brought a Zydeco artist. I wish we would have seen, you know, like, clearly Tennessee did, in fact, I believe in the competition, bring country music. But I would have liked to have seen more regional musics just to okay. celebrate those differences in our country. I mean, that, that sounds like a great contest in and of itself, right? Is, you know, just something that showcases all the musical flavors. And that's in theory, on paper, that's what this was supposed to be. Instead, you learn at episode five, the end of the preliminaries, that the winner will have their song played on iHeart radio stations all over the country in constant rotation. Aww. Oh, whoops-a-daisy, guess who one of the experts is? The president of iHeart radio. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you just sort of like see the waves. All the money comes crashing on the shore. And you're like, oh, that's what we're doing. That's, so, but, I mean, it's not that tough to get on iHeartRadio, is it? It's very tough. You have to cut a lot of deal. Like payola was an old concept, and I think it still exists now because hmm. you can build an artist off of iHeartRadio because they play the exact same song 73 times a day. And you can kind of start to force it towards the top. Now, with terrestrial radio, and that's a whole other discussion. Uh, but mm. if you can get iHeartRadio to choose to play your stuff regularly and force it in all their stations, you can probably crack the top 20, whether anybody likes it or not. Uh, Maniskin, who was the Italian act that won Eurovision this year, they got into iHeartRadio, uh -huh. and it is starting to help them. Uh, they did a version of Frankie Valli's Beggin that is playing yeah. all over the radio and that has pushed it into a top thing. And now, you know, it makes it like a TikTok thing and starts to really kind of push the conversation of trying to make Maniskin a band in the U.S. So I think we'll see what the influence of this was. I do think the little video packages about everything were fun. I think it teaches you a lot of things about a lot of states. The actual contest to me feels a little strange. Um, I'm hoping this is the first year of a couple and they have a chance to kind of kind of bang this thing into a circle. Uh, but yeah, the American Song Contest. We did Eurovision, but we poured a bunch of money and it made it super American. Check it out. Huh. I'll have better to tell you once we have a winner. I, I saw there's a, a, a lovely young lady in the competition who is, in my opinion, a Taylor Swift clone. 
She songwrites like her. She sounds like her. She looks more than a little bit like her. I think that's your winner. I think the whole vehicle is because uh, uh, Hollywood needs a new Taylor Swift more than anybody else does. But because because Taylor Swift annoyed enough people that they're like, you know, this is more trouble than it's worth. Let's find someone else. Well, well it's like, and she's getting know, old, you know. Yeah, that's like what I was gonna say. She's kind of aging out of it, you know. Like forlorn lovesick old, teenager yes. is hard to sell at thirty nine. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. But um, once again, that's my very cynical take on this. If you very honestly want to see a large range of music from a bunch of different places and learn some fun things about parts of the country you may not have paid attention to, and especially about our holdings and principalities and such, uh, well worth checking out the early rounds of the American Song Contest. I'll get back with a, with a little more to talk about it once the whole thing's over and see if all of my cynical beliefs come true. I, I want it to to succeed. And when you say it's going against, um, the other show, the, the Simon Pegg thing, um, what is it? The, uh, American Idol, American Idol. Yeah. Um, Simon Cowell, Simon Cowell, Simon Cowell, Simon Cowell, it would be amazing. Yeah. Right. Yes. (laughs) Very low key, but amazing. Right. Uh, So, Are they airing at the same time or is it just, they're filling that same headspace? They are airing at the exact same time. They are airing Monday night, between 8 and 10 p.m. So they are direct competition. And that's the thing a lot of folks have talked about that sort of pay attention to like game shows and reality TV is they already had an idea that was sort of strange. Like we'll take Eurovision, which most Americans still don't know what it is, and we'll bring it to the U.S. But you're like, okay, people like competition game shows. I think if this had been in the summer, it would have really been able to do some numbers. But they put it on Monday. So they're going up against a bunch of like basketball and football at the very beginning. They're going up against wrestling for whatever that's worth, but it draws pretty well for a Monday live time. And then they're taking on the titan of the industry of exactly what they do, American Idol. Uh, So it feels like they kind of set themselves up for disaster. I don't know if they felt like maybe, you know, American Idol was just too much of an institution and they could be plucky and break in, but they're on regular, normal, aerial television everyone can get for free, and they're barely drawing a million people live, which is pretty bad for this sort of thing Um, where's it ending up on streaming um on streaming it's going to end up on peacock because it's an nbc thing and it comes on peacock the next day so that's how i've been watching it is either i get it on dvr or if the dvr gets wonky we just watch it on peacock uh then it comes up the next morning Hmm. so i i I think it's a lot of fun i think it's worth the time it's just there are things about it i wish were a little different yeah i would be great to see like a blow by blow written account for here's how you could fix all this nonsense. But, uh, I'm not expecting you to do that. Yeah. And I think we, we need to wait to see how this turns out. Right. So there's some things that feel wonky to me, but maybe they were right. Maybe the crystal method shouldn't have gone on. Macy gray represented, I think Detroit. Huh? And she got blown out in the first round. She was in eighth coming into the vote and she disappeared into the ether. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it all turns out. I'm trying to see who else in there that like people would know. Uh, Michael Bolton was out there for Connecticut. Um, looking, th- it seemed to be every episode had like one major star you've heard of. Cisco was in there for Maryland. Uh, let's see, the Crystal Method represented Nevada. Jewel represented Alaska. And I think that may be it. You also had a lot of people where it was their background story is they have two million followers on TikTok. Or their background story is they have three quarters of a million uh, Instagram 
uh, followers. So mm. those were especially early in the competition. And that also felt very weird because it seemed to be every person was an Instagram influencer that was trying to do music. So huh. I'm, I'm curious huh. to kind of see where all this goes. Um, if I was going to point everybody to one song uh, in the ridiculousness of what this is at its high level of ridiculous um, from Wyoming, Ryan Charles uh, does a song called new boot goofing, which Everything he does, cowboy hat, cowboy boots, the song's about buying a new pair of cowboy boots. It's a trap country song. Huh. Uh, it is straight up hip hop. Uh, it's a wild. It got, it is, so the whole contest, everything happens, all the votes. And then there are two wild cards at the end of the competition where they're going to look at all of the streaming plays and all of the TikTok views and, and it, magically in a lab somewhere figure out two more people to get to advance. Uh, Ryan Charles with new boot goofing was like 11 of 12 from the pros didn't get brought up uh, by people because he was so far down at the end of the professional round. And they've already said, Oh, we're just taking him out and putting him in the next round because he's so far ahead in TikTok views and uh, downloads that he's clearly going to the next round. Um, huh. So I would say if there's one to check out to just see where the, how weird this can get, it is uh, Wyoming's Ryan Charles with New Boot Goofing. See, you said the out. title, and I'm like, oh, that sounds like a Garth Brooks song, but I guess not if it's hip-hop. And, and his whole demeanor, you know, he looks like he's going to be a country artist. He even, they perform each song, and that's one of the things about Eurovision is famously, you know, there'll be like a guy running in a hamster wheel on stage, or there'll be like a whole bunch of buxom milkmaids churning butter or something. Like, that's part of the the allure, is how ridiculous the stage performances are going to get. And Ryan Charles comes out into this neon saloon, and then does a trap hip-hop song. Uh, it's pretty great. I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> All right. Well, excellent. Um, I think we should wrap it up here because I've got things to go watch, apparently, and uh, and and grills to to clean. And well, I was going to say lube up. That just sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. Uh, oh my. So, so uh, uh, John, where can you be found? All right. Uh, well, you can find me on swarmcastpodcast.com for all your swarmcastpodcast.com uh, needs. All right. And Bruce. Uh, party Gamecast featuring the Party Gamecast podcast about party games, games take to parties, or once again on Twitter at Brusco Thinks. And sometimes Brusco Thinks about the American Song Contest. Nice. <laughs> and once again, I'm, I'm Walsfio. You can find me all over the internet as, well, Walsfio. And uh, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Head over to InverseGenius.com to check out uh, all the other shows that we make which is actually trimmed down a bit at this point, uh, head over and check out these other two podcasters as well uh, for the uh, Party Gamecast and the Scarab Swarmcast. And uh, come talk to us on Facebook about stuff that you would like for us to talk about on the show in the Inverse Genius Group. Everybody, thank you very much. And guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much yeah. for having me. Yeah, it was thank great. You for being had. <laughs> Goodbye. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Thank you.